0: Hey, I'm Ben Silverio and I'm Ansel Birch and it's time, time to party
1: today's episode was recorded on October 27th 2022 in Chicago <laughs> Illinois <laughs> we are not doctors we don't give medical advice please drink song. responsibly Probably like a daytime show mixed with a pop song from the 60s
0: what up party people uh welcome back it's time to party, where everything's points made don't up, matter. and the points. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> yes, where oh, everything is made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> we are here once again uh, to talk about some time travel shenanigans. That's damn right. That's uh, is, is that a better fit for our gravestone? That's less letter count. Less, yeah. Right? That's. We could probably get it snappier, but that's pretty good. Uh, We're workshopping it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a work in progress. We have some time considering neither of us nor the podcast is dead yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we got loads of time. (laughs) Loads of time. And imagine if we had a time machine.
1: Man, if only.
0: If only.
1: I think the real expense will be... uh, installing an MP3 player and speakers into the headstone so that people Ooh. can listen to the podcast when they visit
0: will either be the talk of the town or the most annoying neighbors in yep. the graveyard. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's that's the real trick is to get the the podcast's headstone put next to a significant member of the local community.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Mayor.
1: Yeah, a former mayor. Viscount. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, like a newspaper baron.
0: But yes, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about when it comes to meet cute. Uh, Here's what our good friends at IMDb tell us. Uh, What would you do if you could travel to your loved one's past, heal their traumas, fix their problems, and change them into the perfect partner? Uh, Again, that's not really a synopsis. Uh, No. It also doesn't really apply to this film. It's not what this film is about.
1: Like... Referring to Gary as Sheila's loved one is a
0: stretch. Yes. Uh like a lot. <laughs> so, when we start here, uh Ansel, do you know what a meet cute is? I do, but I think we should say it anyway. Yeah. So, in film and television, a meet cute is a scene in which the two people who will form a future romantic couple Meet for the first time, typically under unusual, humorous, or cute circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite explanations of a meet-cute comes from the movie The Holiday. I had a
1: feeling. (laughs) I was like, if you hadn't said it, I was gonna.
0: Because, yeah, it's so perfect in that movie. It's so perfect in that movie. I fucking love that movie. It's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. The score is very underrated. Stunning. Oh, just gorgeous. And I know it, it's very meta because, like, scores play a a role in the movie. Because mm-hmm. Jack Black is a composer. Um, One of Jack Black's best roles, I would say. Absolutely. He should have gotten more roles like this afterwards. And then he didn't for some reason. Uh, he's too busy being Jack Black. He's too busy being Jack Black, you know. When the D calls, Mm -hmm. Uh, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're walking through the blockbuster. Because I'm just like, A, I can't do that anymore. Yep. (laughs) But B, just walking through the aisles of blockbusters, seeing the scores. Doing the scores, yep. Eli Wallach, I probably. He plays Arthur Abbott, um, the old Hollywood writer. Um, and he explains to Kate Winslet's Kate character Winslet, yeah. You know what a meet cute is Well
1: this was some meet cute <laughs>
0: Sorry? It's how two characters meet in a movie say, say a man and a woman Both need something to sleep in
1: Uh huh And they both go to the same men's pajama department. Right And the man says to the salesman I just need bottoms The woman says I just need a top They look at each other
0: And that's the meet-cute. Oh, I see. So go watch the holiday after you watch meet-cute. Okay, so a meet-cute
1: is is when the, the romantic leads meet in a strange or humorous way. Yes. In a cute way. When right. they meet, cutely.
0: I mean, in It Happened One Night, when the, um, the newspaper you know, reporter comes across the princess who's trying to escape the public eye. Another example of a meet-cute is when Niles Crane meets Daphne Moon for the first time.
1: Oh, good. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes.
0: You're Daphne? I was
1: thinking of Bringing Up Baby, uh, oh. the scene with Cary Grant and, and Catherine Hepburn on the golf course.
0: Yes! Isn't yes. that the one that... Um, Arthur references in the holiday.
1: Oh, you know it might be. Maybe that's why it came immediately to mind.
0: Ah, because he definitely brings up Cary Grant. Uh,
1: I mean, as well, you should. Yes, Cary Cary Grant and 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 Hepburn were of that era when, like, the meat cute was part of the formula that had to be recognized. Yes. Like during that era, there was so much importance placed on writing the script to formula.
0: Absolutely. So that you can get that glamour shot of your heroine. Exactly. Mm. Um. Now it's become such a trope that, you know, uh, filmmakers and storytellers play off it. Yeah. You know, uh, 500 Days of Summer uh, is one of my favorite, like, subversions of the trope. Because A, uh, a lot of people uh, do not realize that Tom... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is the antagonist. Mm, right. Not the protagonist. Uh,
1: Which so... Joseph Gordon-Levitt would, would find Absolutely. very amusing. Yeah. No, he said it before. He, he does find yeah, it yeah. very amusing, I should
0: say. He, he, um, he's definitely spoken out about the the people who've uh, talked about this movie and been like, nah, you're way off. <laughs> yeah, nah. Like, clearly you didn't get it. Um, (laughs) Did you watch the movie? Yes. So, but even from Tom's point of view, when he meets Summer, you get that glamorous, like, oh, dream girl-like view Mm -hmm. until later in the movie when she breaks his heart. And then all of those things are no longer cute. You know, um, I'm sure there are a ton of other, you know... Uh, oh, yeah, great examples. Great examples.
1: Of what this, do you think but... about the example from this movie? Does this, I mean, the first one is, sure, a meat cute.
0: Absolutely. Um, but it's not the first one. But it's not the first one, yeah. Uh, what? She says they've been doing this for a week. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's a week when we first, we do get to see the first one in a flashback. Which is even more of a like, okay, so not only are we doing time travel, but now we're doing flashbacks in our time travel. But um <laughs> But yeah, like even even the first one is, is not actually a meat cute. Yes. Although I suppose if being the first time in the movie that we see them it still counts. True. Like that's the, the still first time for the formulaically. For the viewer, yeah. You
0: know. Um But I think that's partially what captivates a person to Enter the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like so the whole idea of this movie is uh Kaylee Kuko's character Sheila meets Peter Davidson's character Gary in a bar, uh, but then slowly over the course of their first date, quote unquote, she reveals that she's a time traveler. And that first scene, which you can prominently see in the trailer is what draws you in. Yeah. You know, it, it's that variation on the meat cute where it's like, oh, we've actually done this a bunch. <laughs> I think the
1: other thing that, that I thought was really interesting in subverting the meat cute trope is that we are still getting a meat cute hmm. because it's a question of which version of Sheila is she presenting?
0: Yes. And then And eventually... then
1: which version of Gary are we exactly. getting? Yeah. There's still that element of like the first introduction of what this character is going to be like mm-hmm. in this iteration.
0: Yes. And it just so happens for Sheila, she can take an educated guess and be like, yeah, well, Gary's going to be, yeah, Gary's going to be <laughs> Gary. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause first she's trying to ma- manipulate herself and then she tries to manipulate him.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, manipulation. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the IMDb description talks about. Right. Uh, in a way, it's just a different form of manipulation. Absolutely. And, okay, so first, um, very brief tangent. I've been working on this playlist called uh, Dobbler or (laughs) Domer. It is...
1: Wow! Okay.
0: It is based on the How I Met Your Mother gag of being a Dobbler or a Domer to your prospective partner. Um, If the feelings are reciprocated, uh, by both parties, then when you do something cute, like a grand gesture, you're a dobbler okay. standing outside the window with the boom yeah. box. If they're not reciprocated, then it's creepy and you're, and you're a dommer. Dumb. Interesting. So the playlist that I've been making, um, <laughs> uh, it features songs that, uh, or love songs that are very sweet. Um. If you're in the right mindset, (laughs) because otherwise they're real creepy. (laughs) For example, uh, I will follow you into the dark by Death Cab for Q. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Invisible by Clay Aiken. Yep. I mean, that was the first one that I put on the list, because like if you really listen to the lyrics, it's just like, oh, if you were invisible, you'd watch me in your room. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Other ones are I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. Yep. Uh, Fallen For You by Colby Calais. Sure. Uh, Can't Help Falling In Love. Uh, specifically the Ingrid Michaelson cover. But Okay. Uh, really. It's anyway. got the right vibe. I can see that. Father Figure by George Michael. <laughs> I think I know that one. Um, You're Beautiful by James Blunt. Mm-hmm. I will follow him by Peggy March. That was one of the first ones I thought of. Uh, Escape by Enrique Iglesias. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Your body is a wonderland by John Mayer. Oh
1: God, it's never occurred to me. But yeah, that could be. And, that could uh, go very
0: wrong. Save the last dance for me, Michael Bublé. Uh, th- there's a lot more, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> just the just the idea of if both parties mutually have affection for each other this could be super cute that you're traveling back in time to relive our first date over and over again. Yeah. But because Sheila is manipulating the situation each time more so as the movie goes on. Yeah. Uh, it's not that cute anymore. Well, it's also really interesting. I mean,
1: I don't know. We will probably get more into this, but Hey, we're in the review. Might as well. Yes. Um, what is it that she's so worried about the next day having?
0: Well, I mean, I I wasn't planning to get into this dark aspect of the movie this early in the episode, but part of Sheila's character that we come to find is that she was going to commit suicide. Right. um, Until she got her nails done and found the time machine, uh, thanks to June. So really, I think for her... uh, uh, Obviously, I can't really speak for someone who's uh suicidal, mm-hmm. you know, but to me, it seems like for her, if things go past where they were at this point, they'll just get bad again. you know. She kind of expresses that in like the the denouement, you know yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, where she wants to jump off the bridge anyway. Right, you know, uh, if since it seems like uh, Gary knows the truth about Sheila, you know, and um, but the, that first date was so perfect that she'd rather live in that moment for literally yeah, a year. Yeah, she froze time. Yeah, yeah, is what she says. Right, uh, she'd rather do that than have herself be exposed um, to the love of her life as right. who she really is and have a have a second date. Or, yeah, exactly. It's it's tragic. You know, truly. Um, well, and we see her. We see her
1: kill herself, I mean, over literally. and over and over yeah, and yeah. over again. Yeah, like she. New Sheila murders old Sheila, mm-hmm.
0: and puts her in the trunk of the car every time. Yes. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco's delivery of like every reveal is so matter of fact mm-hmm. that you think it's a joke. And then you see it. And then you see it. You're like, oh. So I'm a little worried about Sheila being a
1: sociopath. Sure. I'm a lot worried about Sheila being a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like she she literally kills that version of herself every time she does this. Yes. And so I wonder if part of it is that Sheila is presenting a version of herself that she doesn't think she can sustain. Mm Mm-hmm. Like this isn't me, right? I killed me. This is a, this is an act I'm doing for this one night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just
0: curious. It's it's hard to say, you know, considering I I don't have the same experience as Sheila to really shed light into what she's thinking in the moments. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like we really see how. Um how sad she truly is, you know. Yeah. And um it's it's kind of like a a Dobler Dahmer moment, you know, where like to her she's saying to herself that what she's doing is cute. You know, but like you said, she might be a little bit of a sociopath. Mm -hmm. So it could go either way. And for Gary By the end, uh, he's into it, you know, apparently, yeah, apparently Uh, spoiler alert. (laughs) But uh, do you buy that? Is that uh, has Gary been so manipulated that he's feeling these feelings or is he legitimately in love with Sheila by the end? Do you think that is a very good question?
1: I think that by the end of the movie, because he's only had the amount of time in the most recent iteration. Yes. Because he doesn't
0: to... know that she went back and completely changed his childhood. Yeah. And then went back and redid everything. And then, and then, and then undid. <laughs> that,
1: I I think as far as, as we left it, he did still see a dead body. Yeah. On the doorstep as a kid, which, uh, that's an interesting choice. And a prostitute eating pizza. And and a prostitute eating pizza, which, I mean, Tatiana. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you could have worse things happen than, like, a rando eating pizza on your front porch. It's true. Like the dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like a dead body. Also, Sheila, again, murdering people. Herself. Because she was Uncle Charlie. That's right. She murders Uncle Charlie, which is another iteration of So really, of she
0: only murders she herself. She only kills herself, yeah. Which does tell us it's not a time cop situation. Right. And it's not really like a paradoxical situation since she gets close enough to kill herself each time without anything happening. Yeah. There, there's a lot to unpack uh, about the themes presented in this movie, you know? Yeah. Um... I don't know.
1: I think it's for me. It's like a, a a Twilight Zone episode in that way. Okay, in that it's like okay, we we started with this concept of okay, what if you could go back and redo the perfect date? Mm-hmm. A, would you want to do it just for funsies? B, would you do it to try to make it better? And C, would you do it to try to fix something about the person that you are dating mm-hmm. or that that you have started to date? Um, and if that's the the extent of the thought experiment. Great. And sure. they totally achieved that. We know we saw all three of those iterations. Yes. We saw the ramifications of it. We saw what happens if the person decides to turn the script on you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we get all of that. And and through it, we get an exploration of their childhoods and what made them who they are in a very cursory, distant sort of way. Yes. But yeah, we don't get anything deeper into their motivations or psyche. We don't understand why Sheila even feels the way she does. Right. Like, there is no information as to what her current situation is that she feels compelled towards suicide. Does that make it work better or worse? I don't know. Like, we don't know what Sheila does. Mm -hmm. Sheila doesn't know what she does. Yeah. Uh... Gary is a graphic designer. The only way that affects the plot is that he's doodling on a coaster when we meet him. So, like, do they just have these jobs so that we don't ask questions about what these people
0: do for a living? Because, like, they have no impact on the plot. It it doesn't have any impact on the plot because they meet after hours. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, like, we don't have to worry about them having to go to their jobs because it all happens in one night. We don't um, see their apartments. Nope. We don't see although we find out where uh Sheila used to live. Yeah. We see yeah, we see
1: Sheila's childhood apartment and we see Gary's childhood home. Yes. Just the outside, but yes. we do see it. Um so yeah, lots of lots of questions about like how much the the current version of them matters. Especially considering how much it shifts over the course of the thing. Right. Like when Gary changes due to her fucking with his childhood. Yes. uh, You know, that version of Gary is not significantly different in any way other than... Has a different job. Has a different job, yeah. different attitude, and different outfit. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's... This this pl- The story is far more about the concept than it is about the character. Yeah. And I think that's, that is my f- finally walking all the way around the tree to get back to why I think it's a <laughs>
0: Twilight Zone episode. Got you. Yeah, it is very interesting how it explores all of these intricacies of dating and relationships and stuff. Because, you know, I think the message at the end is that relationships okay for things to be messy there it is it's okay for things to be messy sometimes that's exactly what it is you know like um you could be dating so long that things feel repetitive Mm -hmm. you know and and it happens and and you can try to fix people exactly and it doesn't always work uh sometimes you're just hitting a round peg in a square hole you know and uh it's okay in an
1: alarming fashion Yeah, oh god The, the representations of Overwhelm In this movie yeah. were, were particularly effective
0: Absolutely And you know, I feel like this script Is incredibly strong You know, like, that's part of what makes this work mm-hmm. um, The uh, Script Was Written by Noga Punelli I probably butchered their name. Um, but uh, it was featured on the 2018 blacklist. Uh, so uh, it was considered one of the best unproduced scripts of that year. And, you know, I, I could see why uh, this movie in particular finally got made. You know, it, it's very interesting. Um, but. The stars, I think, are really what got it made, because I think, as we were alluding to, Kaylee Cuoco is a phenomenal actress. Really? Truly? Such such range? Yes. And even though I may not like him, I'm not a fan of Pete Davidson's by any stretch. I think he's uh, too douchey and bro and kind of annoying, um, and has a very punchable face. Yeah. Um, don't actually punch him in the face. Um, Yeah, please don't. I don't advocate for violence often. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Uh, just don't go punching Pete Davidson in the face unless he's into it, I guess. Um, But I will give credit where credit is due. This is the third movie that I've seen him in where he's just delivered this phenomenally endearing performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one was Big Time Adolescence. Which is a movie on Hulu that everybody should watch. It's so good. Um, And it really talks about um, coming of age uh, in in a a very modern sense. Um, (laughs) It's probably not a great sign that I kind of related to his character in that movie. But like, I don't know. It's just, it's so good. (laughs) Um, everyone should totally watch that. Uh, but then his other movie, um, The King of Staten Island, is also a, an incredibly poignant drama, while still being funny. You know, because mm-hmm. like obviously his movies are gonna have some humor in them. But King of Staten Island was an Apatow movie, and Apatow's not afraid to mix comedy and drama. Yeah, and I feel like this is his most effective mixing of that
1: well and i think apatow has a very similar approach to what this movie did Mm -hmm. which is the the like laughing until it becomes sad
0: yes
1: you laugh at the sad thing until you realize how sad it is
0: yes and and uh sheila even has that moment where she's talking about her dad Yep, you know where he's a, a traveling alcoholic and goes to all the different bars and she plays it off like a joke until she doesn't and then realizes that's actually really sad and she's told that joke at that point
1: like 300 times in a row
0: exactly it's um almost like comedy itself where a lot of these things used to be funny but like clearly they're not funny yeah. anymore yeah you know like uh, uh i don't want to say it's a a lesser example uh but uh, a different example mm. uh the critic used to have a lot uh fat jokes. Oh, okay. Just like unrepentant fat shaming of Jay Sherman and his son Marty and like uh it's not a good look today. Yeah. Uh but back then people were laughing at all that stuff. Like uh Frasier had it too when um when Daphne was pregnant and they made all those jokes. Oh, sure, yeah. But but even Frasier played it off in a way that was like, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't make fun of someone's weight like that." you know yeah oh uh, the the pig can dish it out, but it can't take it oh god the the the, the refrigerator pig, yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, oh God, um but yeah, I think that's true of a lot of forms of comedy over the years, like as we become more sensitive to you know not wanting to fuck with people, right um and more aware culturally of you know the importance of punching up instead of down yes. and, you know all of that is evolutionary and i think we're seeing that happen in the course of the movie is we're seeing the evolution of sheila's awareness of like first it was a thing she said offhanded then it became part of her script yes and now she's like ah shit well it was funny that one time yeah um which is especially interesting when you think about it as a movie that was executive produced by Pete Davidson. Right. Uh, who has gotten in trouble for
0: exactly that sort of thing. It's, that's very true. Yes. Uh, Earlier we were trying to figure out why we dislike Pete, Pete Davidson, like we as a society. Why, why societally are we mad at Pete Davidson? Yes. And I mean, when it comes down to things to be mad at entertainers for, his stuff is just the the basics. Yeah. You know, the comics have been dealing with that for, since the dawn of comedy. Yeah. He's,
1: he's not even Chappelle at this point. Exactly. He's, this is pretty tame, you know, jokes that didn't land territory.
0: And I mean, in that way, Pete David, I don't want to say say he's harmless uh, because words are important Yeah, uh, and they matter and all that stuff. But like when you look at his posse, him and John Mulaney. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like John Mulaney, who was like the squeaky clean dude. I don't know that John Mulaney was ever squeaky clean. I mean, compared to some of the other comics that were his contemporaries, sure. Um, but also, you know, he had has had he's in rehab, yeah, right, or has been, has been recently at least. Uh, he he has dealt with demons as well as Pete Davidson, and I'm sure that's why they connect, right? But they seem like the more, I don't want to say wholesome, because neither of them are wholesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they lean towards more of that than some of their peers, right? Is that accurate? I think so, at, the, at least in the in the broad scope.
1: Um, I will say, I think it's very interesting that John Mulaney... Like he talks about his his troubles with with substance abuse, and yes. he talks about his upbringing, and you know Pete Davidson, has, his dad died uh, in nine eleven as right. a firefighter, um, and he's made material out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
0: King of Staten Island is all about He's
1: all about that, yeah. So I think it's interesting that the two of them display those things about themselves in addition to doing material that might otherwise not have been a hundred percent above board. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about the, the routine that, uh, Mulaney did where he talked about, uh, not being allowed to put a certain word into his award show script because it was as offensive as the N word, which the, the reference is is correct he's right it's not as offensive yes. and you know the joke about well you're saying one word and you won't even say what the other word is that's the more offensive word that mm-hmm. he's very accurate about that however he is still he is still the 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 meat of the joke is still well i wanted to use this other word mm. that is othering to a group of people sure uh and and that is the center of this controversy yes so he's he's telling a joke about how he's offensive but the joke isn't about the thing that he did it's about the thing the other person did in response um so I, i somehow that is contributive to this cleaner yeah uh appearance
0: because like sure john mulaney may or may not have cheated on his partner I mean, he did. He did. Sure. Uh, and we as a society have come to, I don't want to say accept it, but overlook it more often than someone like, uh, Louis CK, sure. you know, who has done actual bad shit. Um, but it's, it, it's a, it's a spectrum, yeah. you know, um, Louis C.K. is on a different level than Aziz Ansari. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, actually, I think it was Aziz who I first heard say that that whole thing is a spectrum. You know? Um, but it's uh, it's just interesting that Pete Davidson is more on the Aziz side of the spectrum. You know? Mm-hmm. Considering his persona that he portrays. Yeah. But also, that's part of the act, right?
1: That's part of the act like um well and uh, and I was reading something about the the deal with the senator mm-hmm. because he he said the thing about the senator and his eye patch and then he had to make an apology on air with the senator on stage next to him so like they spent time together they were in rehearsal together he did the thing on screen together and then later on walked it back in one of his comedy specials mm-hmm and the senator i think did a really good job of handling it by saying well i i mean sure he's a comedian he's got to do stuff like that and i would much rather believe in the person i met and spent time with than the guy in that comedy special absolutely so i think part of it is that like he's playing a character and mm-hmm. that part of that character is i've got to like dance on the line all mm-hmm. the time
0: And sometimes
1: I'm going to dance a little too
0: close or a little too far over. I've always been fascinated by this dual persona uh, business because obviously, as you know, I'm a fan of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, professional wrestlers play themselves, but turned up to 11. So it's like they themselves are a character. So where does the character end and the person begin? Uh, Burlesque. Mm -hmm. A lot of our friends are in burlesque and have stage names with various different personas depending on the acts that they're doing Mm -hmm. Uh, but where does uh, I'm sorry for not kayfaving your name uh, in this conversation but where does Stella Cheeks end and Alexis Moucher begin Mm -hmm. and I always jokingly say that Stella hates musicals but Alexis loves them (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I've I've legitimately wanted to have this conversation like in some sort of public forum and by public, I mean, probably on a podcast that, you know, however many people listen to. But like, I I always find this very interesting.
1: That would be a really good podcast episode because um,
0: it, it totally applies to comedians in this sense. And I'm mm-hmm. sure if I met Pete Davidson, we'd have a lot in common and could discuss stuff and. Or He not. is from Staten
1: Island. I don't know. That's
0: why I say or not. <laughs> <laughs> but like to, to bring back what I was saying about the the Banshees of Inna Sharon uh, part of what Colin Farrell's character doesn't understand is that uh, Brendan Gleeson's character just outgrew him and didn't need him in his life anymore. Mm. And he was so serious about it that he kind of took it to an extreme. But uh, but it's just sometimes people grow and don't need to take all the baggage with them from before. Sure, you know, and uh, so I may get along with Pete Davidson and I may not in real life. Yeah, uh, but his character, I still don't like. <laughs> yep. Uh,
1: well, and it's what made him such a good blackguard in the suicide squad absolutely like, you love to see him die yeah and well and it was it he he Spoiler immediately seemed for yeah squad. for the first five minutes of suicide squad <laughs>
0: um
1: but yeah i mean it was so it was it felt in keeping with pete davidson absolutely. to be the guy who sold them out from the top
0: oh yeah james gunn uh was so spot on by casting pete davidson in that part mm-hmm. and it i mean Pete uh, James Gunn's a genius. Oh, oh, good! Such such perfect casting. I'm uh, well, and then
1: to get Nathan Fillion in in the yes, role of like this TD guy eight, who's yeah. who seems cool and then is completely undercut by his own powers. <laughs> uh, so perfect. I mean, we've seen it before in Captain Hammer. and sure.
0: Thank you. Thank you again, <laughs> Nathan <laughs> Fillion
1: for. Uh,
0: and I mean, short tangent, but I'm so glad that uh, Warner Brothers uh, tapped James Gunn to be one half of the the leads for DC Films. Like, he is going to be one of the principal architects of the new DC Universe. Because it's no longer the DCEU. Mm-hmm. The DC Extended Universe is dead. Long live the DC Universe. <laughs> Some... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some some semantic gymnastics that we've oh, gone yeah. through, but here we are. This
0: past week, writing all about it has just been. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so yeah. Funny.
1: The Black Adam uh, uh, coverage has been interesting. Oh man, I haven't gotten to see it yet. I'm 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 actually interested to see it. It's fine. I'm not going to say excited to see it, but I'm I'm interested to see it. Uh,
0: Shazam and Black Adam are two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. um, which is why it would have made much more sense to introduce Black Adam in Shazam first. I thought that's what they were going to do. Yeah, and then when they didn't do it, I'm just like, really, though? Uh, But the way... Dwayne. Yeah. He could have at least uh, put the ego aside for a second and appeared in a cameo, you know? Sure. Uh, But he was just like, no, Black Adam should have his own introduction, you know, uh, from what I understand, anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, the way I've been describing it is... Shazam is like your first superhero movie. You watch it as a kid, as like an introduction to the genre. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun and kind of scary and is is a good kids movie. Sure. Black Adam is what you watch after grade school. You know, now you're at the beginning of high school more into like violence and fast and hard. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're in your punk rock phase and shit like that. Uh Black Adam goes a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know, uh but it's still the same universe. You know, it's like you're jumping from pop punk to, you know, hardcore uh college basement punk rock, you yeah. know. Uh same coin, but a, l- a little different. Yeah, the a little costumes are darker. Yeah, exactly. There it is. It's the it's the same movie but the costumes are darker. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just funny because when I was trying to say that Black Adam Targets a younger audience. Uh, Dave and Warwick thought I meant like kids. Mm. And I'm like, no, it's more like teens. And they're like, well, that's not younger. I'm like, they're younger than me. Younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I don't uh, think the
1: Avengers are
0: targeted at that audience. No, exactly. I mean, the Avengers are a, a much broader audience. Uh, the Suicide Squad is not. Yeah. Harley Quinn, the animated series, is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Harley Quinn, the animated series, is one of the best things. Out, out there right now so good yes. so good and you know kaylee cuco kind of carries that into this mm-hmm. quote-unquote rom-com how do you feel about the time travel mechanism in meet cute
1: um i will be honest with you and i say uh, I, I love it i think it's yeah. phenomenal anytime it's very hot
0: tub time machine it's very
1: hot tub time machine and i love a time machine that otherwise doesn't look like a time machine you know and and this is true of the hot tub this is true of the delorean this is true of the tardis so many time machines are uh, a thing that otherwise doesn't stand out and therefore is a good time machine (laughs) and what i love about this one is that like it doesn't need to be yeah like it's not out in a public space it doesn't go anywhere no one's gonna see it
0: It's also much easier to use than you realize, because it's just a turn of the dial to make you go to the future. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) That June didn't figure out until that point. And, well, and that's if you think it's true. Oh, right. She just maybe didn't tell Gary and Sheila until they needed to know. Did she actually do it? Did Gary go to the future? Oh, Interesting. I don't
1: think, you Gary think he was went just bluffing. The, I think he was bluffing. Mm. I think that was Gary trying to trying to get out of the situation and it was a leap of faith. Mm. Because otherwise we would have seen June do that. Fair. Like we never in the course of the movie, as far as I recall, see June manipulate the controls on the time machine right. at all.
0: Correct. Also, uh, our drinking and smoking rules are go hard on their own but mm-hmm. if you continue to watch the movie during the credits uh, yes it goes even harder get a
1: little coda <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the power hour of the credits for when, this movie when i hit that point i'm just like fuck these rules are gonna get oh, wild oh, shit yeah but not even in that do we see future it's yeah. all past i don't
1: know that the, i don't know that you can um i at least that was my read on that on that last bit is that that is gary trying to reach sheila when she is at her most vulnerable most strung out most distraught and the only way he can do that is to assure her because he's got it he's got to break her out of this like loop yes and the future is so terrifying. Tomorrow is so terrifying to her.
0: Even when it's happening in a few hours. Yeah. You know, it's right there. You're it, right there. You
1: are on the cusp of tomorrow. Yes. The edge of tomorrow, if you will, Mr. Cruz. Um, and, and all that is holding her back is her, her own terror. Right. Right. And arguably the repercussions of her own actions, i.e. the dead body that is definitely in her trunk. Sure. So he has to do something to break her out of that. And the only thing he's got available to her is some assurance that the future is good.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a leap of faith is required for a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you don't know how it's going to work out. And this is kind of the metaphor for that, since the entire movie is like a metaphor for a relationship Mm -hmm. right so
1: well and it's a relationship up to that point with no faith yes she's had this one perfect night she wants to repeat it
0: yes so when she finally i mean leap of faith is probably the wrong words for this specific situation but wait
1: hold on hold on i just had a a terrible moment of realization uh uh-oh So Sheila's just been on the date. Yes. When she goes to June's parlor for the first time.
0: No. She goes to June's parlor for the first time because she wants to have her nails look nice when she commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't meet Gary until she goes into the time machine and decides to get a drink. where And then he's there at the bar.
1: Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay, thank you. I had forgotten the order of operations there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so mixed up. It, it... Well, and it's... It,
1: so the first time that she goes back in time, it, it is a meet-cute. Yes, like she, correct.
0: Off-screen. She, Off screen, uh, she that has happening. gone through
1: an entire day in the past. Yes. And is like, well, I guess I'm going to go get a drink and then
0: meets Gary. Right. And then replays that.
1: Um, Okay.
0: Yeah, so the time travel mechanism is very cool uh, for those reasons that you said. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, when does she sleep? Uh, and That is a very good question. Because and... could this whole thing be affected by the fact that she she's has not, not slept sleeping? In a year. She's just repeating this day over and yeah, over again without actual sleep could that be a factor
1: or is she sleeping during the day
0: i mean that's possible too that's a cuz
1: like it looks like morning when she shows up at june's parlor yes um so maybe and she's just gotten a coffee when she gets run yes. over by herself right um which granted if she's like me that could be any time of day right um but yeah so maybe maybe there's this the you know she knows she's got a date now so she sleeps during the day in preparation for going to meet Gary. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's a thought. Yes.
0: Because um,
1: you're right. Otherwise, she hasn't slept in over a year. Yeah, and that's that could that that'll do stuff to take
0: you. tolls on your brain. <laughs> 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 I, I've never gone a year, but I've I've had some run ins with. Right. Like, I mean, I used to pull all nighters frequently in college, you know. Yep. Um old man. Sleep deprivation cool. will do stuff to you. But when the library is open for twenty four hours and there's a Taco Bell in there, uh, you know stuff stuff goes down. Uh huh. Um, my my other thought uh, was that Gary was so adamant about getting to the other side of the bridge. Um, he really wanted Sheila to come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, the bridge was a beautiful metaphor. Yes, absolutely. Until you realize that the bridge is from New York to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so like, wait, does Gary live in New Jersey? <laughs> no, but like, don't the bridges like from like they're in Manhattan, right? Depending on what po- what bridge they're taking, they could be going to New Jersey.
1: Hilarious as this joke is, unfortunately, that is the Manhattan Bridge. Anyway, the symbolism of getting to the other side of this bridge, regardless of where it's going, is still really solid. Like yeah. the the fear she has of going past the point where she was going to kill herself and into the future mm-hmm. made manifest in this bridge is is very well. I done. mean, it's very. I'm a little teapot writing, but sure. I'm not mad at it.
0: Right. I mean, when if it's not baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> Uh, so before i ask our usual final question i i have a another question oh yeah is sheila a dobler or a dommer
1: oh she's absolutely a dob well i don't know i think he's into it enough at the outset that it's a dobler yeah like she meets it she comes up to him at the bar he's down
0: like so there is enough consent and endearment uh, i think it uh, on becomes part, a
1: Dahmer. somewhere in the middle when she starts fucking with his history uh-huh cuz when she decides she's going to fix him before they've even met technically yes. in his mind that's that's where we get into this like but then he does the space. same thing he does he does uh, yeah i mean I don't think there's an argument where either of them make it out of this movie as sure. as good guys all around.
0: Is the answer that New Yorkers suck?
1: I think Is- so. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that like, and I think this was one of the more ham-fisted bits of the movie, the way that she brought up the cable guy a couple times. Oh, yeah. Such that when he showed up, he was just fulfilling that existing prophecy. Ooh. So cuz time is circular. T- yes. Timey whimey. It, it got Oh, oh it's, it's so timey whimey how it. <laughs> ah. Um, but yeah, there was this the one cable guy who was so nice to her. Yeah. She didn't tell us anything else about it, no. didn't tell us what he looked like, didn't tell us what impact it was. Just randomly, oh yeah, there was this cable guy who was so nice to me. Mm. Um not even like, did he come back or frequently or actually fix the cable? Right. Um, yeah, none of that. We don't get anything. There's no substance to that. Just
0: that it happened. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so then I guess that leads us to our, our final question. Was Meet Cute worth your time? Meet Cute was absolutely worth my time, especially if you
1: if you take it at its value, right? Yes. So it's a it's a ninety minute exploration of this hypothetical through a sci fi lens, right. and I think that that in many ways is my shit. I'm yes. absolutely all about that, and and very excited to interrogate it at any opportunity. Um, So I think on its own merits, it's absolutely worth your time. Are are you going to have more questions? Absolutely. Does it leave some parts by the wayside that didn't serve it completely? But is it worth your time? Yeah, I think I think it's very much worth your time.
0: Yeah, you know, I think this is a very good date movie because it gives you and your date a lot to talk about at dinner afterwards, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not the
1: usual date questions of like, what are you hoping for for your future? Yeah. Because neither of these people ever address that. No. There is no point where we ever know what they wanted, uh, what their deal is, where they come, like all of that is left on the chopping block because it, did, it didn't serve the narrative.
0: Right. They just take that, again, I say leap of faith, but maybe not mm-hmm. the best choice of words. Uh, but they take that leap of faith together at the end. Into uncertainty, yeah. Like many relationships, uh, I agree. I, I, it, this movie had a lot, um, against it for me, uh, going into it, mm-hmm. mostly because of Pete Davidson and I don't care for his work often, uh, but I guess now that it, there, there's been three things. That I've really enjoyed his performances in. I don't think I can say that anymore. Yeah. We might be okay with Pete Davidson after all. I mean, at least in his dramatic acting. uh, Maybe not his stand-up, but his movies have been Mm top-notch for me. Um, Because again, watch Big Time Adolescence.
1: Watch next week. He's going to do something awful. And I'm going to have to put a a thing in in the bumper. Pete
0: uh, Davidson showed up at the corporate head- headquarters of Skechers and was escorted oh out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: so good. That's going to be such a dated reference it- when you hear it. <laughs> hey, people of the future, uh, that just happened for us. So, <laughs> Bear, give us a little, give a little grace.
0: Hey, remember when Kanye did this? Oh my god! <laughs> I
1: will say, and this is neither here nor there, but I think it's very interesting. How much importance we put on calling people by their preferred names? Oh, except I'm for, sorry. Except for Yay.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I did not know that his new preferred name was Yay until the Sketchers thing. Nor should you have. Why? Why? Who?
1: Who gives a single fuck about what <laughs> that guy wants, is, does, or, or you know? But the it is very interesting to me the the politics of of that like naming sure. and. And the, the difference between someone like him doing it and someone like Elliot Page, you know? like right. This is a change of identity. This person ha- is is leaving behind.
0: But, like, on the same token... Their dead name. We, as a society, were okay with Puff Daddy changing to P. Diddy. Well, yeah. And changing
1: I, to Diddy. I think uh, that's exactly it, though. Is, like, is this a matter of yay changing identity or is it a kayfabe thing like diddy did
0: Mm.
1: where you know i I don't think he ever stopped being or you know stopped utilizing his own names in in private Uh but his his performance name was changing uh similar to the way that um snoop went by snoop lion for a hot second there Ah, yes um because
0: uh, it's like, I may not like Ezra Miller, but I'm going to respect the pronouns that they prefer. Sure. Because
1: uh, that's their their identity.
0: Right. Uh, but Kanye West changing creative direction for who they portray as a character. Uh, you know, it, it's almost like uh, a wrestler that I like is named John Moxley. Mm-hmm. In the WWE, he was known as Dean Ambrose uh, If I meet him, I may call him Dean Because that's predominantly how I knew him as Right But now he's He doesn't John. play
1: that character anymore Exactly yeah.
0: You know, it might be a slip of the tongue uh, In that case uh,
1: If you meet uh, Kelsey Grammer, you might call him Frasier
0: <laughs> I tried very hard not to ha <laughs> ha Doctor, Uh, I almost addressed him as Dr. Crane. Oh, man. (laughs) That would have been a fun roundtable. That would have been, yeah. (laughs) Because not only was it just a regular one-on-one interview, but it was a roundtable with other journalists. So there would be people there to to call me out on it. (laughs) You'd be the only idiot at the roundtable who called him Dr. Crane.
1: All right, well. Shall we? Shall we send this one home? Sure. Yeah. Do you have time for for a quick nail salon and the tan? I mean, nail salon, sure, but I'll I'll save tan for next
0: episode. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, party people. I hope you enjoyed our analysis of Meat Cute, which you can find on Peacock, starring the incomparable Kaylee Cuoco and also Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh. uh and us on the internet. You can find us. I'm at besilverio20 on Instagram and Twitter. I am at indecisionist on Twitter and at the indecisionist on
1: Instagram. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longin of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. If
0: you want to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag time to party That's time, the number two party.
1: As well as time, the number two party, all spelled out. Thank you, Warwick.
0: <laughs> and until next time, uh, when we bring you more tangents, shenanigans, and tomfoolery, uh, be excellent to each other
1: and party on, dudes.
0: Dana